Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. All right, so do you remember it? I, I remember this vividly. I can remember the excitement, the anticipation. I prepared for it. I got ready for it. I know you did too. We called this in elementary school, this experience was called Show and Tell Day. Anybody remember Show and Tell? All right, lean over to your neighbor right now. Tell them what you took to Show and Tell. Real quick, if you can you remember? I can remember. I'm not going to tell you what I took, though. So, so uh, yes, yeah, I knew what Tari took. It was Star Wars. It had to be. So it could have been that uh, special stuffed animal. It could be that special coin, that special treasure. Uh, th- those things that meant the most to us, we would take them and we would show them and then tell about what they meant to us. I want to propose to you this morning that if we are going to bust bubbles, if we're going to be a bubble buster and make a difference, then the secret to that is this, and it's a very simple secret that we seem to have missed. Here's the secret. We need to do the same thing we did in grade school, except reverse the order. All right, so really practically, what we need to start doing if we're going to bust bubbles and share good news is we must tell and then show. All right, so join me in John chapter 1. Uh, Beginning in verse 35, I'm going to read down through verse 51, and I'm going to show you scripturally what I'm talking about. This is what it says. The next day, Jesus walked right past where John and two of his disciples were standing. John, gazing upon Jesus, pointed to him and prophesied, look, there's God's sacrificial lamb. And as soon as as, uh, John's two disciples heard this, they immediately left John and began to follow a short distance behind Jesus. Jesus turned around and saw that they were following him and asked, what do you want? They responded, Rabbi, which means master teacher, where are you staying? And Jesus answered, come and discover for yourselves. So they went with him and saw where he was staying. And since it was late in the afternoon, they spent the rest of the day with Jesus. One of the two disciples who heard John's words and began to follow Jesus was a man named Andrew. He first found his brother Simon Peter and told him, we have found the anointed one, which is translated the Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. And when he gazed upon Andrew's brother, he prophesied to him, you are Simon and your father's name is John. But from now on, everyone will call you Cephas, which means Peter the rock. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee where he found Philip And Jesus said to him, come and follow me. Now Philip, Andrew, and Peter had all grown up together in the village of Bethsaida. And Philip went to look for his friend Nathanael and told him, we have found him. We found the one we've been waiting for. It's Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. He's the one whom Moses and the prophets prophesied would come. And Nathanael sneered, Nazareth, what good thing could ever come from Nazareth? And Peter, Philip answered, come and let's find out. And when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said, here comes a true son of Israel, an honest man with no hidden motive. And Nathanael was stunned and said, but you've never met me. How do you know anything about me? And Jesus answered, Nathanael, right before Peter came to you, I saw you sitting under the shade of a fig tree. And Nathanael blurted out, Teacher, you are truly the Son of God and the King of Israel. And Jesus answered, Do you believe simply because I told you I saw you sitting under a fig tree? 
you will experience even more impressive things than that. I prophesy to you eternal truth. From now on, you will see an open heaven and gaze upon the Son of Man like a stairway reaching into a sky, into the sky with the messengers of God climbing up and down upon him. I just want to mention this in passing. Um, even though I'm mentioning it in passing, I don't want you to think just because we're not camped out here that this isn't important. I need you to understand what I just read to you is that the approach that uh, in this case Andrew and Philip took worked for family and friends. I think for some reason we think that in order to bust bubbles, we got to come up with all these uh, new approaches and new schemes and new ideas and new ways of doing things and all these new stuff. But according to Scripture, the same approach worked for family and friends. So what I want to tell you this morning is very basic. This is not this, what I'm telling you, going to share with you today is not revolutionary. It's, I don't even know if it's that re- revelational. I just, reckon, I just re- realize that most of us don't get this. We must learn that to bust bubbles, we tell and then we show. So this is how it works. Bubbles are busted when we break our silence. We must tell. In the passage I read to you, Andrew meets Jesus and he instantly tells his brother Peter about the anointed one. Then the same process is repeated by Philip. Philip, when he, when he meets Jesus, he goes and he tells his friend Nathaniel. They actually opened up their mouth and used words. They told. They, they share. In order to bust bubbles, we must tell the good news. Good news is not good news if it's not shared news. You've got to come to this place. We have all got to come to this place again where we are willing to open up our mouth and tell about what Jesus has done for us. I, I, I need to remind you that in week one of this series, I, I told you the devastating and disheartening news that according to a recent survey that 75% of those of us that claim to be Christians to know Jesus feel no responsibility, no obligation, no compulsion to tell anyone about Jesus. I'm not great at math, but I can figure out 75%. 75% is three out of four. Three out of the four people sitting in this room don't think they have any responsibility responsibility or there is no necessity to share their faith with anyone about Jesus. I just want to remind you that the only way that we will ever bust bubbles is we have to open up our mouth and tell somebody about what Jesus has done for us. Did you know that also in a recent survey it was discovered that 86% of the people surveyed said the reason they began to attend church to hear about Jesus was as a direct result of a personal invitation. 86%. 75% of us, three out of four, don't think we should tell anybody about Jesus. And 86% over here going, the reason I started going to church to hear about Jesus in the first place is because somebody opened up their mouth and began to tell me about what Jesus has done in their life. We must tell. In fact, One of the last commandments that uh, Jesus gave his disciples uh, is also still appropriate for us and applicable to us today. Jesus informs them that they will receive the power of the Holy Spirit so that, not just so that they can pray in tongues, not so they can just operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that they will receive the power of the Holy Spirit to become witnesses to the entire world. Can I just remind you this morning that witness requires 
words. If you don't believe that, I'm going to call a judge this week and get. I'm just going to try to encourage them to invite you to come sit on the witness stand. And I want you to try to testify without using any words because it won't work. You will be held in contempt of court. To witness, you must begin to use words. Witness means to bear testimony. Is there anybody in the room that can bear testimony, that can witness to the fact that Jesus has changed your life? Is there anybody that would say, my life was headed down the wrong path and my life was devastated. My life was broken. I had no hope. I had no peace. I had nowhere to turn. And yet I met a man I did not know and he turned my life around. Is there anybody that can testify of that fact this morning? Yeah, yeah. Why don't you just lean over real quick? Just use your words to bear testimony. You got to tell what you know. Give witness to what you know. Would you just turn to your neighbor right now and in one word just tell them what Jesus did for you. Gave me hope. Gave me life. Gave me love. Gave me peace. Just tell them. Tell them one word. Testify. Come on. Testify. 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 See, I knew you guys. I, I, I know y'all know. I know you know what Jesus did for you. My concern is this, is that we flip the script. We will testify to people that already know. But when we leave this room, we won't tell anybody. The very, who needs to know more? The people that already know? When we tell the people that already know what, we, what we've experienced, it encourages them and it strengthens them. I get that. But I just need to remind you this morning that the people you're telling right now are most likely saved. I need you to get outside the room. Go to work. Go to school. Go where you go and tell somebody that doesn't know about Jesus about Jesus. They need him. You don't have to convince us. We already know. Anybody, anybody in the room already know what Jesus can do? I'm convinced. I already know what Jesus can do. See, I, I know you guys. I, I know most of you personally. And you know what I've discovered? Y'all like to talk. Y'all talk. Y'all are talkers. Y'all talking coming in, talking going out. You're constantly talking about something. My question for you this morning is this. When is the last time you talked to somebody that doesn't know Jesus about Jesus. I, I know you're talking about sports, and I know you're talking about weather, and I know you're talking about work, but when is the last time out of, just in a casual, uh, normal, not a freaky weirdo, King James's, thus saith the Lord, I need to give you a revelation from God. When is the last time just in the normal course of conversation you begin to direct the conversation and weave into the conversation about Jesus. When is the last time you told somebody that doesn't know about him? Here, see, here's the truth. You can't bust bubbles unless you talk. And I just need you to understand this morning that in a very real sense, our silence is their sentence. When we refuse to open up our mouth and tell people about Jesus, we are not sentencing them to life. We are literally sentencing them to death. If we have the greatest hope, if we have the greatest love, if we have the Savior of the world inside of us as our Lord and our Master, then at some moment we must open up our mouth and tell people about Him. Otherwise, we sentence them to death. I need you to stop for just a moment and be honest with yourself. When was the last time you talked to someone about Jesus that doesn't know Jesus? I just need you to answer that question in your own mind. I didn't ask you when you talked to someone who believes Jesus about Jesus. When have you talked to someone that doesn't know him about him?
You see, I know what we do. We talk about big bubbles. We, we, we talk about we need to save the world. We do. We just spent all day yesterday in, in Lebanon, Kansas, in 97-degree heat in the middle of a cow pasture talking about the, we want God to save America, and we do. And I, I think we will probably do something like that again in Oklahoma because we want him to save our state, and we want him to save our city, and we want him to save our neighborhoods. But let's get down to tiny bubbles. Anybody want to sing the song with me? Tiny bubbles. We need to get down to tiny bubbles. Who, what family member, what friend do you golf with, spend time with, rub elbows with at work? What tiny bubble do you need to break? And tell them about Jesus. We must follow Andrew's example and follow P, uh, Philip's example and tell people about him. So, 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 so we must tell. But, but bubbles are also busted when our C matches our say. That, that, that's Steve's way of saying this, we must show. It's in this passage, both Andrew and Philip backed up what they said by showing their family member or their friend, Jesus. I want you to understand that the only, the only um, uh, effective way to bust bubbles is not only, yes, we, we certainly need to tell. Many of us, 75% of us don't think we need to tell. I'm just, I, I see the necessity of telling. That's the first step, but it's a two-step process. It takes more than just our words. Because how many of you know what you do thunders so loudly in my, in, in my ears I can't hear what you say? How many of you know that uh, talk is cheap? Uh, see, 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 see there's, a, there's a second part of this, and our actions speak louder than our words at times. And yes, we need to say, say we, need to, we need to speak, we need to tell, we need to share, we need to bear t- testimony. But we must also show people Jesus. Our, our actions must line up with what comes out of our mouths. See, some of us are really good about talking about Jesus, but we, we don't show Jesus very well. I, I just want to confront you this morning that if, we don't, if, if what we do doesn't line up with what we say, then we send mixed messages. So, so, so what do you mean? I, I mean, if we talk about uh, the fact that Jesus gives us hope and then we act like we don't have any hope, we don't bust bubbles. Because we don't show him that Jesus is real. If we talk about peace, but then every time something comes along in life that, that's a little bit difficult, we freak out every time, then, then we're sending mixed messages. If we talk about freedom, but we continue to walk in bondage, if we sing, I'm no longer a slave, I'm no longer a prisoner, I'm set free, but then we go out and we continue to live in brokenness and in bondage, then we send mixed messages messages, if we talk about healing and then continue to walk in sickness, if we talk about righteousness but we continue to walk in sin, if we talk about Jesus and then we behave like and believe like those that don't know Jesus, then our see doesn't match our say and we build bubbles instead of busting bubbles. My question to you this morning is not only are you willing to say something about Jesus, I'm asking you if maybe we need to reflect on our own life and question how we live and, and question where, what we, how we behave and what we, how we conduct ourselves at work and how we conduct ourselves in the drive-through and how we conduct ourselves on the sports fields and how I conduct myself when my neighbors are acting crazy. How, do, how am I showing them Jesus rather than just 
telling them about Jesus. Uh, uh, I, I wouldn't normally uh, use him as an example. It's not the greatest example in the world, but but his statement is so powerful. Perhaps in this environment, it is he is the best example. I draw your attention to a guy by the name of Gandhi. Do you remember Gandhi? Gandhi made this statement. Listen carefully what he says. He says, I like your Christ, but not your Christianity. Listen to what he says. He says, I believe in the teachings of Christ, but you on the other side of the world do not. I read the Bible faithfully, and I see little in Christendom that those who profess faith pretend to see. Listen to what he says. The Christians, above all others, are seeking after wealth. Their aim is to be rich at the expense of their neighbors. They come among aliens to exploit them for their own good and cheat them to do so. Their prosperity, their, their, their prosperity is far more essential to them than the life and liberty and happiness of others. Listen to what he says. The Christians are the most warlike people. Listen to what he, he concludes. He says, I like your Christ. I don't like your Christians. And then he makes this statement. This is a scathing rebuke to us. He says, your Christians are so unlike your Christ. How, why would Gandhi say that? I submit to you that he says that because he, he had people around him telling him, but they weren't showing him. See, I think most of us fall in one of two camps. Most of us in here, so, or uh, a lot of us, we tell, but we never show. Our life testifies of something totally opposite of what we're saying. And the result is we don't bust bubbles, we reinforce them. Can I just let you in on a little, uh, a dirty little secret? Uh, uh, maybe you don't know this. Maybe you're aware of this. But let me, let me let you in. Did you know that the people out there talk about us? They're talking about church folks. You know, you know what they're saying about us? It's just a bunch of hypocrites. So you do know the secret, right? They think that we're hypocrites. They're not calling us hypocrites because of what we say. They're calling us hypocrites because of what we show. And so a lot of us talk about Jesus, we just don't show him. The other camp is some of us show him, but we never tell about him. See, we show them that we go to Passion because we have the T-shirt and we have the hat with the little logo on it. We got a sticker on our car. We show them about Jesus because on Sunday morning, we watch them get up and they get out on their porch and they're in their rocking chair. And we get up at the same time. They're dressed for the lake. We're dressed a little bit differently. We drive by. We wave at them. And they're always wondering, where are you going? Why, why are they? There's, I know there's something different about them. They go somewhere I don't go on Sundays. We, they, 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 but we never... They don't act like I act when the dog from the neighbor gets in my yard and messes up my yard. I, I, th I throw a conniption. But those folks, they're different. There's something different about them. But they never tell us so we don't know. So we show, but we don't tell. And in the process, what happens is this. We leave them guessing. They're guessing. It's kind of like the guy that is extremely successful I mean, he shows it. He's driving a nice car. He's got expensive clothes on. He's eating at the best restaurants. You're good friends with him, and he's extremely successful. He's showing you his success, but he never tells you how. What are you doing? How are you pulling this off? How do you have hope in this hopeless world?
How in the world do you have joy? When you lost your job, I lost my job at the same time, but you continue to have joy. How do you have peace when your world's falling apart like my world was falling apart? I see that you do, but you don't ever tell me how. And I am saying to you this morning that the two-step process of busting bubbles is to tell and show. Talk to them about Jesus and then lead them to Jesus by how we, we've used this before, represent Him. Let me say it again. I, I do this every time. I, we got to get this. We talk to them about Jesus, but then we represent, we represent Him so well that they want the God we're talking about. So, so, so the question is simply this this morning. Will you tell got the hope in the world in you. But will you tell? Three out of four of us in this room won't. Will you tell? Will you show? Will you make every intentional effort to make sure that the Jesus you sing about in here is the same Jesus you show them when things are not the way they should be at home, at work, at school? Let me, let me say it like this. I just need you to tell them what you know. I, di I didn't ask you what Steve knows. I didn't ask you to tell them what Pastor Andrew knows. I didn't ask you to tell them what Paul in the Bible knows. I'm just asking you to come back to this place where, where you will tell them what you know. They don't need a doxology. They don't need eschatology. They don't need the Revelation chapter 1, verse 26, thus saith the Lord. They just need to know what you know. What do you know? Jesus saved you. Jesus gave you hope. That's what they need to know. You don't have to be freaks. You don't have to be weird. You don't have to, have to be kooky. You just be normal and tell them what you know. That's step one. Step two is this. You show them who you know. So, so, so if you don't hear anything else, let, let me say it like this to you, and, and, and please capture this. I need you to tell them well. Tell well. Tell well. Tell well. Think about how you can communicate what Jesus has done in your life. Tell well, and then do this. Show steadily. Consistently, day after day, model for them that what you do in your life lines up with what you're saying with your mouth and I am convinced that this is the secret sauce this is the way we bust bubbles we tell people about Jesus but then we back it up with what we what we show about Jesus and as we tell well and show steadily harvest comes you want to see people get their lives changed you want to see people get saved you want to see people come into the kingdom of God tell well show steadily if you want to see people get their lives turned around, those that have no hope, have nowhere to turn, are, are living alive and, and they're frustrated and they're hurt, tell well and then show steadily. It works every time. It'll work with family. It'll work with friends. It'll work with coworkers. It'll work with classmates. It'll, it'll work with your next door neighbor. If you'll just match the two up, make sure you're doing both. You tell and you show promise you it'll work 
Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'd help us. Help those of us that are reluctant to open our mouths. Help us to re be reminded of what we have witnessed. We, we, we don't want to tell what we don't know. I want to be able to tell them what you've done for me. I pray that you remind me what it was like before I knew you. I pray that you'd help me to be able to tell well what you've done. Father, if there's any weirdness in us, if there's any kookiness in us, if there's any uh, freakiness in, uh, in us, I just pray in the name of Jesus right now you'd wipe it all out. And I pray that in ordinary, common, comfortable conversations, in our own way, with our own words, we would begin to bear witness, testify of what you've done in our lives. We would not keep the best thing that's ever happened to us quiet. I pray that you give us opportunities while we're talking about sports to weave you into the conversation. I pray that while we're talking about work, we would be able to have opportunities in a normal way to just weave you into the conversation. Father, I pray that in our neighborhoods, when we're bumping shoulders with our neighbor, you would allow us the opportunity with simple, concise words, we would be able to, 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 to tell well what you've done for us. And then, Father, I pray that those of us that have been talking about you that haven't been re representing you well, what we say is being overtaken by what people see. I pray that you would enable us to, to begin to walk faithfully and consistently and that we would steadily show who you are by how we act, what we post, where we go, how we believe, how we behave. And it would all line up and what we, what we show would match our say so that people would want what we have. I pray that you would help us to identify the tiny bubble that we need to bust first before we spend all of our energy and effort praying for our nation, our state, our city, our town. May we first come right down to the tiny bubble of our life and begin to concentrate on the family members and the friends and the co-workers that we're with every day. May you help us to tell and show so that people will come into relationship with you. I ask this in the mighty, powerful, life-changing name of Jesus. Amen. Would you touch your neighbor real quick and say, it's time for you to tell. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion. 